With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. This is Brandon Kelly, the host of Blue Wire's new podcast, Golden Goal. Messi takes everybody on. Messi has got it! From Lionel Messi to Marta to Pele, our show takes a deep dive into soccer superstars. 2 What a World Cup for Megan Rapinoe. From Zlatan Ibrahimovic's brash confidence with the play to back it up, to Megan Rapinoe's heroic outspokenness and World Cup flair. Each episode examines a personality of the world's game. We'll dig into Maradona's Hand of God performance and subsequent downfall. The teenage trio at Dortmund that signaled the next generation of superstars. And that infamous headbutt that slung Zinedine Zidane from glory. Golden Goal. Soccer stars and the moments that made them. Premiering this summer on Blue Wire. And welcome to episode 20 of the Talking Hockey podcast. And I'm Ty with Luke, Eric, and Martin. And we also have a special guest here, Sam Gagne, NHL player, currently on the Detroit Red Wings. Used to play for the Oilers as well. And we're so excited to have you on here. How's it going? It's going great. Thanks for having me. Okay. All right, Martin, you want to kick off the with the first question? Sure. Um, I'd just like to ask, uh, how, how's, how's life been going in the COVID time? How's the things with the kids and stuff? Having yeah, fun? Uh, it's, um, <laughs> yeah, I guess I, I can't really complain. I mean, there's a, there's a lot of people a lot worse off than we are. You know, for us, we're, uh, we're in Muskoka right now at our, at our cottage here. And I guess for the kids... Um, they don't really know any different, you know, some of their activities and stuff have been canceled for the last few months, but I think they're just happy to have dad home uh, on a more full-time basis. And then uh, for my wife and I, uh, it's been, you know, a change in the sense that, uh, you know, I was away playing hockey and uh, that kind of all came to a halt and I haven't uh, been on the ice since, but um, yeah, it's, uh, it's definitely, um, you know, it's different, but um, you know, all things considered, uh, we're very fortunate to, uh, you know, be happy and healthy and, um, you know, everything is, uh, is, is good for us. Yeah. This has probably been like one of the longest periods of time without you kind of being on the ice, I'd assume, right? Because it, this has never happened before. So what kind of training are you kind of doing to keep up to NHL standards, I guess, now that, you know, you can't go skating and you probably don't have access to a ton of facilities other than what you have at 
what uh, you have at your house. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, I, I'm I'm pretty fortunate that um, both in my in my house in Edmonton and, and then the plate in our place here, I have a pretty good gym set up. So um, you know, I'm able to stay in shape and um, you know not uh, let things get too far out of hand. I know I probably won't play another game until um, you know for another few months, but um, I, I think. Uh, you know, personally, uh, when it first happened, I was just trying to stay in good a shape as I could, um, and uh, just preparing kind of for anything. I, w- I wasn't sure if um, you know every team was going to be called back or how they were going to do it. So, um, and then when I found out it was 24 teams, you kind of take a little bit of a break and reset. And um, you know, I, I think I'll probably get back after it. Um, you know, when uh, when training camps start, I kind of want to f- have a little bit uh, of a semblance that I'm you know, still, you know, still pushing it hard while everyone else is um, mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, don't let it get too far away. So um, I think that's going to be my mindset and then take a little bit of time off when uh, uh, the Stanley Cup's awarded, if, if that does happen and um, just kind of do my best to, you know, stay as uh, in good a shape as I can. Do you think that uh, some, you know, the players that are going to be, you know, not playing until probably October it looks like with the timeline that's the NHL is set right now do you think that a lot of them at a lot of you guys will kind of be at a little bit of a disadvantage compared to some of the other players that got to play you know competitive NHL hockey over the summer and into the fall well I mean I've, I've always kind of felt that way I mean I I, I haven't uh, been on many playoff teams and um, you know I, I look at teams that are playing deep uh, into into June um, you know, that's another two months that they're on the ice playing competitive hockey. And, you know, I see, um, you know, especially when you look at young players, they always take the, uh, seem to take a step forward, um, you know, after their first big playoff run. Um, you know, I, I know that after, after playing in the playoffs for the first time, I felt like, um, you know, I, I took a big step forward after that. Um, so I think it, it definitely... It definitely matters, and, and, and playing um, in those meaningful games, uh, you really find out about um, you know what kind of player you are in those moments, and, and it's a lot of fun to play that kind of hockey. So, um, you know that that's what you play for. But at the same time, um, you know it, it is what it is, and, and you got to try and use it to your advantage. Um, you know, a, a long off season can be really beneficial for you know some young players in terms of putting on uh, strength and um, you know working on deficiencies in their game. So, um, you know, even, even for an older player like myself, I think you just try and um, look at any uh, anything in your game that can be helped. And, um, you know, you got a long time to work on it. So that, that's kind of the focus. Yeah, so you have a really interesting story because you started in the NHL basically just right after you were drafted, right? So you were drafted six overall in 2007. And you just stepped into the NHL right away, which is, you know, fairly rare for for any NHL players, let alone a sixth overall pick. So, and you and before that, you kind of grew up in the NHL as well, right? Because your dad was a player and you kind of, you know, you had to mature, you had to go through that maturing process in the NHL. So we kind of wanted to know a little bit about what that's like, because as fans, and I think you obviously know this, you see the headlines, you see the posts, everyone starts judging NHL players the second they get into the NHL at 18, 19, 20 years old. And, you know, if I'm thinking back to when me, when I was 
18, 19, 20. And I'm thinking when Martin was 18, 19, 20, we were complete messes. <laughs> like, um, but, you know, you guys are basically full grown adults at 18. Well, you're not you're not a full grown adult, but you kind of have to be because you're playing in a professional league. You have standards you need to maintain. So kind of can you just run us through the a little bit? Constantly. Yeah, exactly. Right. So can you just run us through what that's like a bit, because I think that's really interesting. Yeah, well, I certainly wasn't a, a well-groomed adult at uh, at 18 years old, but um, you know, I, I, was, <laughs> I, I was pretty fortunate in the sense that my dad played, and um, you know, I was able to use him as kind of a sounding board, uh, you know, for a lot of different uh, things that I went through, and um, you know, I, I was also fortunate in the sense that we had a an older team, and um, you know, our core group of guys was an older group that. That was really good to me. I mean, um, I, you know, I, I look at, you know, Sean Horkoff, Ethan Morrow, Stevie Steos. Um, those guys were great to me uh, in, in helping me get adjusted. Andrew Cogliano and Tom Gilbert and myself, we all lived in Ethan Morrow's house. Um, you know, he, he was it was a house he was selling. He just let us live in it. So, you know, those types of things really made the adjustment a lot easier. You know, I felt I actually felt. Uh, once I got to, you know, 20, 21 years old and um, our roster flipped over and we had a lot of young guys um, and, and I was kind of expected to be a leader uh, at that young age, I, I found that, you know, that there was pressure involved in that, um, uh, you know, especially in the Canadian market. But uh, it just helps you grow uh, a lot quicker. And, uh, you know, I think, you know, all those experiences help you uh, as you go along the journey and, you uh, you know, it's all uh, looking back on it. It's been a lot of fun for me. Well, speaking of Canadian markets, you know, you're you know one of the few players that have played in multiple Canadian markets. Well, you started off with the London Knights, one of the biggest OHL teams out there. And then you came into Edmonton, which is crazy with hockey. You went to the Canucks, which is also pretty crazy with hockey. And you spent a little bit of time in the Toronto organization as well. So we were kind of wondering... Everyone, uh, players, everyone always talks about the differences between the different markets. So, and I think you have a really interesting perspective in that sense. So, can you tell us a little bit about, you know, what you think the differences are between the different Canadian markets, or do you think there really is none and just everyone's crazy about hockey? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I mean, there's differences in in every market, really. I, I've been fortunate to play in a lot of different, uh, uh, really different markets. I mean, um, you know, you look at getting traded from Edmonton to Arizona. I mean, I, I don't know if there could be more of a flip <laughs> yeah. uh, in terms of uh, what those markets are like. Right. So, um, you know, I, I think you go from, you know, the, the arena being packed every night to, um, you know, we weren't a very good team in Arizona. So down the stretch there, there were, uh, you know, the attendance wasn't great. And, um, you know, you walk the streets in Edmonton and uh, you get recognized and, uh, you know, everything that goes along with that. And it's just completely different. And then, you know, some of the other places I've been, I mean, you look at, you know, Philly is a crazy hockey market. Um, they're really passionate fan base. Columbus is uh, is really growing in that sense. And, uh, you know, those playoff games I played in Columbus were some of the funnest um, games I played. Um, so, yeah, you know, you look at Toronto, obviously, I, I, I was there in the American League, but, um, you know, I grew up in the Toronto area and you, you get a sense of kind of what that market's like. And, you know, even playing on the American League team, there's, uh, you know, there's a tension towards it. So um, I, I think uh, I, I prefer playing in Canada, um, you know, playing in the big markets. I, I, I've had a lot of fun. I mean, I think... Um, 
growing up as a as an oiler and then uh, going back there uh, last year um, you know you, you really grow to appreciate um, you know what comes with uh, being in a Canadian market and um, you know I, I'm a guy that's really passionate about the game and I you know I love to play and I love to talk about it and um, you know there's in, in Canada that's kind of all that's ever talked about so uh, it's a lot of fun for a guy like me well in Edmonton um, you're probably sorry go Martin um, going back to Edmonton, and you're kind of like a expert in how Edmonton works, and now that Edmonton's fully being named um, a, uh, one of the host cities, mm-hmm. do you think it will work well as a host city? Um, because like, there's yeah. been a lot of memes and stuff making fun of it and stuff. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I think uh, I think Edmonton's a really underrated city. Obviously, I have a bias towards it because of the fact that I, I've played there for so long. My my wife's family's from there. Um, um, I really like it there. But in terms of uh, being a hub city, um, I, I think it's a great spot for it. I mean, I, I've heard um, just from having so many friends around the league, whenever they come to Edmonton now, it's like a, it's a completely different city with, uh, with the new arena downtown, um, the, you know, the brand new hotel, uh, you know, the rink is probably the best rink in the league. And then, you know, you look at the, the visitors dressing rooms and, uh, the visitors amenities, um, in terms of, uh, being a hub city and then having the, uh, the practice rink attached. Um, I think it's a great spot for it. Um, you know, I think the, COVID uh, numbers have been, you know, relatively, you know, keeping in check. I, I think there's been a bit of a spike recently, but, um, you know, all those different things you look at, uh, you know, Edmonton uh, checks a lot of boxes. And, uh, you know, I think, um, you know, if things can get up and running, um, guys are really going to enjoy it there. Have you uh, talked to any, you know, I assume you've talked to a bunch of different players about, you know, their thoughts on returning back, uh, going back to play have you heard about you know what their thoughts are do they have any kinds of concerns that and that you've heard of potentially because i know there's been a bunch of reporters that have had private conversations with different nhl players and they've heard a bunch of concerns on a variety of different issues have you heard anything like that well i mean i i think there's such a it's a big membership sorry a big membership around the league right like you're, you're gonna have a lot of different viewpoints and a lot of you know different guys feeling different things. Um, I know, you know, personally, the guys that I've talked to, they're all pretty excited to get back and, uh, you know, have a chance to win. Um, you know, I, I know that I, I'm, I'm jealous of those guys, right? Like, you know, I, I know it's the middle of summer and uh, guys are enjoying their summer, but, um, you know, I, I'm at the point now where I'd love to be back on the ice and, and competing and, um, you know, playing some meaningful hockey. So, um, you know, for the most part, I think guys are excited about the, the opportunity. You know, obviously there's concerns. I mean, guys have families and uh, being away uh, for an extended period of time. And then, um, you know, if there's any health concerns as well, I mean, guys are voicing those opinions. But, yeah, you know, I, I'm interested to see how, how, how it all unfolds. I mean, I know that there's uh, been some tentative days thrown around and guys are back in um, back in their home cities and getting ready to prepare for training camp. But still a lot of hurdles to go through and you know i guess uh you hope for the best and um and uh, just kind of see how it all unfolds so i have a quick question about uh returning to play in the playoffs you know 
you've said this before, but the players haven't really been getting the, the training, I guess. Do you, would you think that when the players come back and they start the playoffs that it would be a little bit of sloppy, you know, a little bit, guys might get gassed a little bit quicker? Do you think you'll, you'll see that happening at all? Or will it still be, you know, will they be able to get right back into it and play 100%? Yeah, yeah, I think so. But, it, you know, everyone's in the same boat. Um, so, I, I mean, I, I don't think anyone really has an advantage. I, you know, even even the guys that, um, you know, have been able to be on the ice this entire time, it's it's a different animal when you're uh, first off playing a meaningful game and second playing playoff games. So, um, you know, I think uh, it's going to be a feeling out process and, you uh, uh, there, there's going to be times where it's sloppy, but I think it's going to be good hockey. You know, it's, uh, it's a situation where guys have been off for a long time and they're excited to get back playing. Um, you know, I know personally that if there was a chance that I was going to be playing uh, playoff games, I would have found a rink somewhere. Uh, if right. I had to move the family, I would <laughs> I would have found a rink. Um, so, uh, you know, and I'm sure a lot of, I'm sure a lot of guys. Uh, you know, found ways to, to stay on the ice and, and, and stay ready. So uh, I think it, it's going to be exciting. I mean, you know, people are, are you know, looking for something to watch and, uh, you know, it's going to be, um, you know, it's going to be exciting. Sports are coming back and so are your chances to bet on your favorite teams and events. And there's no better place to start than our exclusive partners, Bet Online. Get in on the action for this week's big UFC fight or check out odds on NASCAR, Formula One, and the Premier League. Can't wait for your team to come back? BetOnline has future odds including win totals, division winners, and even league championships. Or check out daily simulations of Madden and NBA 2K to watch and wager on. Visit betonline.ag and use promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your new welcome bonus. That's promo code BLUEWIRE, capital B, capital W. Bet online, your online wagering experts. I assume you've seen all these, you know, these, I don't even know if I call them jokes, but people saying how, you know, this year isn't a real, it's not going to be a real cup, so to speak, because of all this, you know, all the COVID nonsense and what's going on. So, like, how ridiculous do you think that is from a player's standpoint where it's like people are trying to discount the winner of the Stanley Cup this year just because the season got paused for a couple months? Well, I mean, it's too hard to know how it's all going to look, right? I mean, uh, I'm interested to see what games are going to look like uh, without fans in the stands. I mean, um, you know, I know playing in them would definitely have a different feel, and I'm sure watching them on TV, it's going to have a different feel, but at the end of the day, I mean, um, you know, you got to go through a qualifying round and then, you know, four playoff series in order to win. It's going to be a, you know, and everyone's in the same boat. So, um, you know, I, I never really bought into that in terms of the integrity of it or, um, you know, teams getting an advantage or whatever. I mean, everyone's in the same boat. Um, you know, it, it's it's the kind of the, the cards uh, that the league was dealt and they're trying to handle it the best way possible and get, get, by, get guys back on the ice in a, in a safe way. And, um, you know, if they're able to make it work, then uh, I think it's going to be great. Are you going to try to watch as many games as you can? <laughs> yeah, I'll watch. I mean, um, I got, um, you know, I got the kids running around here. And I know, know they're going to have games going on all day. Um, but, you know, I got I got a TV set up at the, at the cottage here. Um, and I can think of uh, some worse places to watch some hockey. So, 
Um, <laughs> yeah, I'll I'll, uh, I'll be I'll be following along. Do you think the lack of fans in stadiums is going to impact players' play at all? So, like, obviously you mentioned how you've played in both Vancouver, Edmonton, and you've played in Arizona, for example. So you've kind of seen different levels of fandom in the stadiums. Do you think that's going to impact players' performance at all, or do you think, you, you know, hockey's hockey at the end of the day? Well, I, I think that, you know, the viewership is going to be different. Uh, you know, obviously you're, you're used to, you know, the intensity of the the fans kind of pouring over onto the game, um, but at the same time, I mean, like I, I've I've had some really competitive games, just like kind of one on one in the backyard. So um, <laughs> uh, at the end of the day, you're playing for the Stanley Cup, and guys are going to compete. But uh, th- there certainly will be a difference. There's, I don't think you can deny that. Yeah. And in regards to, I know I read an article and report that the NHL was going to play games at 12, 4, and 8 every day, or like that's the that's the common theme. With players or teams, you know, however it's going to work out in regards to scheduling and just ice, does that much play affect even just the quality of play or the threat of injury? Is that a concern at all that players would face, that sports scientists would um, think about? Like how would that affect overall competition and performance as well yeah i mean it'll affect it um you know especially when you're going from a relative standstill to uh to high intensity playoff games um but at the end of the day i mean if that's what's necessary to get the games in and and play playoffs uh games and award a stanley cup then um you know that's what uh that's what's going to have to happen i mean I, you know, I think uh when you look at um, you know, guys are going to be in their bubbles and um, not really doing much outside of playing hockey. So um, you're going to you're going to be doing a lot, a lot of recovering and uh, just focusing on hockey. And um, I guess um, you're going to have some time in, in between to uh, to rest up and recover. So one, one thing we kind of wanted to talk about is because you've been in the NHL for you know a little over a decade now is the difference in the game between, you know, kind of when you stepped in compared to now. So I think a lot of the narrative around the NHL right now is about how, you know, how the game's getting younger, how the game's getting faster, how the game's getting more skilled. What do you think about the difference between the game when you first stepped in the league versus now? Do you do you really notice any major differences in the game or do you think that's more just, you know, our personal fan, fan talk, so to say? Yeah, absolutely. I think, um, you know, initially, um, I think it was a product of the salary cap. The fact that, you know, guys on entry level deals, it made sense uh, for teams to keep those guys. Um, and and I think the way it's turned is, you know, there's there's young guys that are coming up that are, are ready to play at 18, 19, 20 years old and they're they're impact players. Um, so it definitely has gotten younger. I think that um, you know, there's a more of a pro mindset right from, you know, I, I look at, you know, guys that are 15, 16 years old now, um, they're, they're already pros and they're living like pros and they're, you know, training with pros. And I think that um, it really gives them a leg up once they, they make it to the NHL. And um, I, I think there's a lot of speed involved in the game now. You know, I think, um, you know, there's still a lot of room, you know, to make plays. And um, but, you know, definitely I think it's a little tighter checking than it was. Um, you know, it's coached probably a little more heavily. 
but I, I think, um, you know, the game is at a really exciting stage right now, and uh, it's a lot of fun to watch. So you mentioned how, you know, the 15, 16-year-olds are kind of, you know, acting like pros already at that young age. So how how is that different from the way that you kind of developed into the NHL? Well, I mean, like I said earlier, I, I was pretty fortunate to have my dad, and um, so so I learned a lot from him in terms of, you know, how to eat, how to train. Um, you know, he got me involved with the right people, and uh, I feel very lucky to, to, to have grown up in, in, a, in a hockey household. Um, but now you look at, um, you know, hockey's becoming kind of a 12-month-a-year game, and, and even from the pro perspective, I remember coming in, and guys saying you got to take a couple months off in the summer and now it's like you take two weeks off and you're back at it because you know you feel like the, you know the young guys are coming up to steal your job so um you know guys are on the ice more guys are um training more um and you know i, I think when you look at some of these younger younger players coming up they're they're training with the with the pro mentality and they're training with other pro players and uh, you know they're learning through their agents and through you know, um, you know, people they trust in terms of, uh, you know, their development, um, how to eat, how to train, um, you know, all those different things. So um, I think that, uh, you know, guys do have a leg up when they come come into the league. Uh, yeah, so we kind of wanted to just get into, you know, we, uh, Martin and I read your uh, interview or the interview you had with, I think, Elliot Friedman in uh, 31 thoughts and you talked a little bit about what you wanted to do after your career. Obviously, you know, you're still, you're still 30. You still have, you know, time, time left in the league without a doubt, but like you talked a little bit about, about how you wanted to get into uh, player development. I think it was, can you expand a little bit about that? Cause I think that's really interesting. Yeah. Um, you know, I haven't, I haven't thought about it um, enough. I don't think, but essentially, um, you know, I, I, I care a lot about the game and I care um, about, um, you know, uh, my development. I, I put a lot of time into it. And, um, you know, I, I like working with kind of the younger generation to kind of help them, um, you know, work on their game. Uh, you know, I, I think when I when I look at all, of, all that I've learned over my however many years in hockey, not just playing pro, but, you know, through uh, kind of growing up in the game, um, you know, I, I feel like I have some knowledge to give back, and um, I, I think I, I'd have a, have a lot of fun doing that. You know, regardless, I just want to be involved in hockey in, in some capacity, um, and um, you know, I'm going to I'm going to keep trying to play as long as I can, and uh, just see where that all uh, where where that all goes. Play, playing as long as you can, do you mean like going to Europe if you don't get NHL contracts or? No, no. I, I, well, I guess we'll see. I, I never want to, um, you know, I, I guess door. to turn that down. Yeah, close doors right now. But, um, you know, I, I'd like to play in the NHL as long as I can. And, um, you know, I, I still feel really good about my game. Um, and, uh, you know, I feel like the way that I play, um, you know, I can bring value to a team, um, you know, for the next number of years, um, you know, I still feel young at 30 years old and, um, you know, I just want to you know, keep on going as long as I can do it. Yeah. We, we're, we kind of wanted to get your input on how like advanced analytics are used by different teams. 
I think I, I think different teams use it differently. Um, you know, I, I've had I've had coaches or, or general managers um, that that I know that have have used either you know an outside company or they put together their own um, you know set of statistics that kind of uh, track things for them. Um, and, you know, and I don't know certain teams have um, you know people on staff. Um, in terms of um, how much information is accessible to the players, um, I think it's it's different on each team. Um, you know, I know uh, you know playing for John Tortorella, for instance, he had his own um, you know set of statistics that he would keep, and um, you know I think uh, the Blue Jackets would track them, and we we would have them kind of accessible to us, uh, kind of on a weekly basis to kind of see. Um, you know, if there was different areas that you were, um, you know, uh, different areas you could look at in your game to see if there's, you know, any ways to improve. And, and I think, um, you know, from a player's perspective, you know, you never want to get too um, uh, into the information. I, I think at the end of the day, you still need to go out there and feel the game and, and make sure that uh, you're not thinking too much. But you know, I, I do think that there's a, a place for it as a player to um, to kind of get a sense of, um, you know, where where there's areas you can improve, whether it's, you know, if you need to get to the slot a little more or, um, you know, if you're not getting enough touches, um, you know, different areas like that. I think um, I think there's a benefit for sure as a player. So you just mentioned like two different kind of stats that. Uh, you guys tracked and used to kind of, you know, feel, um, determine how you're performing during the game. So you mentioned like going to the slot and how many touches uh, you get on the puck. Are, can you like break down a little bit more about what kind of stuff, um, what kind of stats that were tracked, whether it was with the Blue Jackets or with other whatever organizations? Can you break that down a little bit more for us? Because I think that's super, I think it's super interesting seeing the differences between the stuff that NHL teams track, the stuff that coaches track, the stuff that players look at versus what fans look at, what different analysts outside of NHL teams look at, what the public kind of looks at. So can you kind of break that, break that down a little bit for us? Because I think that's really interesting. Yeah, I think there's a lot of different ones. Um, you know, I, I think uh, there's teams that I've been on that, you know, it's it's uh, puck possession, whether, you you know, how long you had it in the offensive zone versus, you know, how long you're, you're in your defensive zone. Um, you know, there's teams that track, um, you know, shots or, you know, Corsi or Fenwick or whatever, um, you know, those different types of stats. Um, yeah, I think, you know, depending on the team, uh, they track, you know, individuals, um, you know, how many, cha- how many chances you're creating, um, you know, how many chances are created while you're on the ice. Um, you know, where those chances are coming from, if they're grade A or grade C or whatever. Um, so, you know, I, I think depending on the team you're on, um, that information, you know, can become accessible. I, I think, uh, like I said, there's certain teams that, um, you know, hire it out and there's certain teams that have it on their staff. I know in Edmonton this year, um, you know, we, we, we didn't really go through it on an individual basis as much, but on, on a team basis, uh, you'd look at, you know, at even strength, um, you know, are you, uh, you know, generating enough chances, um, you know, from from different areas? Um, you know, are, are you giving up the blue line, uh, you know, defensively? Are you, you know, entering the zone with possession? All those different types of things. We had access to that information and, 
you know, I think it's a good piece. And I, I think it, it allows you to kind of look at your team and say, Hey, listen, this is where we're trending. Um, we need to, uh, you know, be a little better at, um, you know, standing up at our blue line and not allowing teams to have access, uh, with possession. Um, you know, and I just think it, it, it helps your team kind of give you a snapshot of, of where you're at at that point in time. Um, you know, I don't think it can be a, a kind of a be all end all and say, Hey, we're a good team because, you know, we have these stats or we're a bad team because we have these stats. But, uh, you know, I think all the information that you can use, um, to, to, to kind of see where your team's at, or, you know, if you're a general manager or a coach, see where our team can improve. Um, I, I think you, you'd be wise to use every piece of information you can and then filter through it and decide what works best for your team or, or for you as an individual player. And, um, you know, there's so much out there now that um, there's a lot of different st statistics that you can use to, to kind of see, um, uh, you know, where, where your team lies at a specific point in time. You, you mentioned how, um, uh, you, so like we had, uh, someone on that worked for an NHL organization, uh, two weeks ago now, uh, Rachel Dory, she worked for the uh, New Jersey devils. And what she kind of did was her job was essentially translating the analytics to the players. So showing, you know, trying to make, trying to make them real for the players essentially. And you mentioned just now how you know, the Oilers, you guys didn't really break it down so much at a player level. You broke it down more at a team level. So mm -hmm. are there, so between the different organizations that you've worked with have some organizations worked with you guys more individually versus you know Edmonton that maybe did it on a team level is it, have you noticed like major differences in the way they approach it well yeah I mean um, Toronto um, did it more on an individual level obviously I don't know what they're like uh, with the uh, the NHL team but at the American League level uh, I know that they used it um, you know, for their individual players to kind of see, see where they were tracking. Um, and, and, and I like the information. I think, uh, you know, some guys don't want the information. They just want to go out there and play. But um, I, I think that, you know, for, I, I know, um, you know, there's certain guys, right? Like I, I've talked to guys on teams that say, hey, listen, I, I'm playing at my best when I get a certain amount of hits or whatever. And I, in, in my opinion, when I'm playing well, I'm getting no hits because it means that I have a puck. But there's certain guys who feel like, hey, if if I'm engaged physically, it means I'm at my best, right? And I feel similarly, I need to be engaged physically, but if I'm getting hits, it means I'm a little late to pucks and I don't have the puck. So, um, you know, there's, there's different different stats you can look at. I, I feel like, um, you know, the, the year I was in Columbus, I was in, um, I was in the middle on the power play and I felt like that forced me to be in the middle at even strength a little more. And I, I think it showed in my underlying stats that, you know, I, I was getting more, um, shots from the slot and, and being involved in that way more. And so those are, those are the types of things that if that's slipping, it's nice to know, Hey, listen, I got to get to the middle a little more and, and, and and you can watch video and, you know, and I do a lot of that as well. Um, but, but sometimes it's nice to see a number to say, Hey, listen, this is, this is the underlying stat. This is where it's changed for you. Um, and this is where, you know, you can gain a, a, a small improvement in your game. You know, we talked about 
um, you know, the, uh, the kids coming up and how they're pros. Well, it's because they're looking at every little detail in their game and figuring out how to improve. And uh, I think you have to do that at the NHL level if, uh, if you're going to, if you're going to stay on top. So, um, you know, I know that the best players in the game, they're always looking for a, another gear. Um, you know, some guys get, um, you know, the information just kind of uh, wears on them a little bit too much and, and, and you got to find the balance and what's right for you. And I think that's, that's why a lot of teams aren't so um, maybe forthcoming with the information they get and they, you know, they, they want to let players kind of figure it out on their own. Um, but, you know, it's, it's a tool that I like, and I think it's nice to have the information. First of all, I'd like to say I love the insight because this is mainly why I wanted to get a guy from the NHL on the podcast to talk about advanced analytics, how they're using it, and what he thinks about it. Um, I'd also like to talk about, like, how you think it's changed, the, the use has changed, and, like, what's the split between – you're saying some players aren't very interested. What do you think like the split is between players interested and not as interested? Uh, I'm not really sure. Um, I, I, I don't know if I can give you an, an exact number. I, I would say that as a rule of thumb, guys are generally more interested if the stats are in favor of them. Um, but, uh, <laughs> I, That's correct, guys. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, that, um, yeah, I mean, it all depends. I mean, I know that, uh, like in the grand scheme of things, um, you know, advanced analytics in hockey are, are relatively new, or, or at least for um, you know the general use of of them. Um, you know, so you look at some, you know some of the stats that you know initially came out, like you know Corsi percentage or Fenwick or, or whatever like that. I think um, you know personally, what what I find is it you know, those statistics, uh, are very dependent on, um, you know, who you're playing with, uh, the role you're playing, um, you know, whether you're putting out, getting put out there in offensive situations or defensive situations. And, and I know that a lot of the, um, you know, statistics that are available now are taking into account those, those different types of things. But, um, you know, I, personally, I, I like to look at, you know, some of the, you know, the finer things in, in terms of like, um, you know, how many shots from the inside I'm getting as opposed to, you know, are, are my shots from a greater distance and it's because I'm not getting to the inside or, you know, I'm not touching the puck enough or, or, or different things like that. Because those are those are details that, that I can change. I mean, I think that uh, some of the other statistics um, – you know, you're going to have a hard time changing them on your own. At the end of the day, it's, it's still a, you're still a five man unit on the ice. So, um, you know, I, I think you don't, like I said, necessarily want to get bogged down with too much information and you want to go out and play at the end of the day, especially for, you know, for me, I feel like it, it's a field game and uh, I'm at my best, um, you know, when I'm just kind of not thinking too much and just feeling it out. But, um, you know, any information you can get to kind of, um, you know, help you get to another level. I think you, uh, are wise to use it all. Yeah. You, you've talked a little bit about, uh, intuition and feel, um, in regards to advanced analytics, which I think are, are really important. Something that sometimes the, the stats community can overlook, 
Um, and you just, you know, even just the number of touches that you may get in the first period can affect your overall um, game. So in regards to, you know, exactly what you were talking about, overthinking is if you're not getting shots in the slot, you go to the slot. Um, do those kind of, does that kind of advice help you in the moment game to game, or is that more useful in a post-game analysis rather than in-game because you might be overthinking it too much? I'm really curious of, of when you as a player in your experience would prefer to hear that kind of information and get that kind of feedback. Yeah, I wouldn't want to hear it during the game. It's something I think um, it's more trends that I, I, I would focus on, you know, over a three game period um, or, you know, even just over a one game period. This is what happened. Um, you know, I, I think you're, you're going to have one offs. Um, you know, I've never really been a fan of looking at, um, you know, one particular game and saying, hey, you know, you know, this is where you're at because, you know, it's more um it, there's so many different variables that can happen within a one game snapshot that it, it's hard to look at the one game and say you know this is where i need to improve whereas you know over five six seven games um you start to get a clearer picture of of where you're at as a player and and you can can really gather more information to see um you know w where you can improve and um, you know, I, I do watch a lot of video, so I, I can, um, you know, normally spot different things in my game that, um, you know, are, you know, good at the time or bad at the time. And, um, you know, I, you can notice during a game, oh, well, I, I just don't have the puck enough or, you know, I'm not getting open enough or I'm not getting enough chances or, or you know, things are going really well and I'm creating a ton. They're just not going in and, you know, I got to stay, stay with it. And then you can use numbers. Um, and analytics as, um, you know, a, kind of an, another piece to look at it. You know, that, that's, the, that's one of the funny things that I find with, you know, the, community, the hockey community is that it, it seems like you're on team analytics or, you know, the other team. And hmm. um, I, I never really understood that. I, I think that um, it's all just information to, you know, to make yourself the, you know, Give yourself the best picture of where you're at at that time so um you know i i think it all can flow together to to tell you where you're at i guess when did you oh, notice sorry. that teams coaches management started bringing more analytics into the picture because i assume you know when you came into the league in 2007 they probably weren't using much of it compared to now anyways so what, what when do you think teams started bringing it in and what was the difference between what they kind of told you about 10 years ago versus today and the different stats that they might have used then versus now well i, I think it's ever evolving I, I think i think some coaches or um, teams had their own set of statistics that they would use to um you know kind of figure out where their team was at um I don't know if at that time it was called analytics or, or, you know, it, like I think that it became a little more mainstream when probably the Kings, um, you know, were winning cups and um, they were out, out shooting teams and, you know, out coursing teams, I guess is the term that was being used at the time. I think, um, you know, teams started to figure, um, you know, if LA is having success with this, um, you know, maybe we can have success with it, but, um, 
you know, I, I like I like I kind of alluded to earlier. I don't know if Corsi is necessarily the the way to kind of uh, see how your team is doing. Um, you know, I, I think maybe at at certain times, but um, you know, I, I look at kind of you know how many chances you're getting in a game. Um, you know where those chances are coming from. Um, there's a lot of different stats you can use to, to figure out where you're at. But, um, you know, I think it's ever evolving. And, um, you know, there's stats I've heard about recently that I never knew about. So, um, you know, I, I think it just continues to grow. Um, I have a quick question, I guess. Something the stats maybe can't help you with. But uh, you returned to Edmonton last year and you got to play with, I don't know how much you played with him, but you got to play with the best player in the world, Connor McDavid. So... Mm. Um, were you ever wowed by him? Just like watching him, How, did you have trouble keeping up with him? You know, anything like that? I absolutely. just want to know your perspective of getting to play with McDavid. Yeah, absolutely. I, I've, yeah. I mean, you're wowed, wowed by him in practice every day. He does things to uh, NHL defensemen that you know you didn't think were possible. Um, so, <laughs> and then you know that, that that doesn't even take into account some of the highlight real stuff he does in games, right? So. Um, he, he's a special player. He's a special person. Um, you know, I, I, I got a chance to, um, skate with him when I was 19 years old and he would have been 12 years old. Um, yeah. And wow. I, yeah, no, I, I, I remember it. Um, my, my trainer at the time said, Hey, there's this kid, he's playing with a 13 year old and he's, he's the best player. And uh, he's 12 years old. Do you mind if he comes out with you? I said, yeah, no problem. And we went out with a skills guy and the things he was doing that uh, I'm like, I, I can't do that as a two-year NHL veteran. So, um, <laughs> and um, yeah, I remember actually having a bet because Ryan Nugent Hopkins was friends with Matt Barzell at the time. And he's like, this Matt Barzell kid's going to be unbelievable. And I said, well, I bet you. Connor McDavid's going first overall in that draft year. And so we bet. And I still don't have the money from Nuge. He still owes me. But um, <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, that's that's a pretty good player. But uh, I, I think we'd all agree that uh, Connor's the best in the world. So um, it, it's been a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, I've been playing alongside and playing against them, all that kind of stuff. It's, it's incredible to watch. Are there any other players that you've either played with or played against that you would consider you know anywhere near the same level that McDavid is obviously you know there might be the obvious answer with you know guys like Crosby and Ovechkin but is there anyone else you'd kind of put in that category I think that's really interesting to hear about well I I I actually uh, have the same trainer as Sid and Nate McKinnon so we um, you know uh, get a chance to skate with them every so often in the summer have some camps kind of before the season so, you know, those two guys are, you know, incredible players, right? And, uh, you know, it, Sid's been doing it for so long that I, I feel like um, he doesn't get the respect he deserves because of, uh, you know, just uh, he's every, – every time he does something special, you're like, oh, it's just Sid. Um, but, I mean, the, the longevity of his career and, um, you know, how special he's been for – how long it's been, it, it's, it's incredible. And, you know, I still consider him one of the top players in the game, um, you know, even at 32 years old and, uh, um, you know, just how consistent he's been throughout his career has been really impressive. You know, obviously Ovechkin in terms of, uh, 
goal scoring. I mean, you'll never find another goal scorer like him. Um, you know, and and then you know, I, I I touched a little bit on Nate earlier. Um, just kind of the pure power he plays with, um, and uh, the fact that he can break a game open with his you know speed and power. It's uh, it's a lot of fun to watch too. Yeah, I like what you really said sure. there about you know how Crosby's been doing it for so long because I think people like people or just fan us fans just in general kind of forget that kind of aspect of it. You look at guys like Crosby, Ovechkin, you look at legends in different sports. You look at LeBron in basketball, Kobe in basketball. You look at Messi and Ronaldo in soccer. I think people start to kind of you know ignore their spectacular beats. Yeah, you're taking it for granted essentially because you know you've watched them play and do these amazing things for the last decade plus and you kind of let it just <laughs> yeah as as Martin said you just take advantage of it. So I think that's really interesting. But um does anyone else have any other questions? I think we've taken up uh, a good amount of your time I, already. I, I have a quick question. Um, I know you can see my video. I put on my uh, London Knights shirt. I'm a Londoner myself. Do you ever right. go back to London at all? Just uh, just in case I ever see you there. <laughs> I don't. I don't. Um, I, I, all the oh. time I think in Ontario, normally uh, up in Muskoka or uh, in Toronto. So haven't been back to London in, uh, in a few years, but... Um, I really enjoyed my time there. That's for sure. I just wanted to ask you about that. You were working with a burger restaurant in Edmonton um, to help the food bank in Edmonton mm-hmm. and stuff. I wanted to know if that's still going on or is it um, done now and how it went? Yeah, no, that was that was just for the month of May. Um, um, you know, okay. we uh, raised a little money for the food bank, which was nice. And, uh, um, you know, every... Uh, you know, everyone uh, I talked to that um, got a burger, we got some really good response from it. So, um, yeah, it was a fun, uh, a fun little project for sure. Awesome, then. Uh, thank you so much for coming on. I don't think we have uh, any more questions for you. I really, we really appreciate all this insight you've given us, especially on the analytics side of things and how players kind of look at it and how you specifically look at it. I, I'm definitely going to, you know, take that and kind of share it with our audience as much as i can because i think your your answers were awesome um so the, the audience will find it find it yeah. interesting oh yeah for sure and, uh, yeah. especially our audience <laughs> they might believe us more <laughs> <laughs> yeah so yeah this, this so this was awesome so just thank you so much and i uh, hope you have a great rest of your night and uh, you know stay safe and i hope your family stays safe thanks a lot right. thanks Bye. sam holy shit that was awesome Thank you everyone so much for tuning into this week's episode of Talking Hockey. You can follow us and stream us on Spotify and Apple and anywhere else that podcasts are available. Please leave a rating and review on Apple as it does a lot for the podcast and share our podcast with your friends and post clips on Instagram and tag us on it for a repost. You know, we're always looking to grow our podcast. If there's anyone that you think we should talk to or any other podcast that you think we should collaborate with, please let us know. We're always willing to uh, open up our audience and, and try to expand. You can follow us on Instagram at Talking Hockey, and you can also find us on Twitter, which will be linked in the description below. Thank you everyone for tuning in, and I look forward to uh, next week's episode.